are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam Charlie O. It was July 13, 1985, and Live Aid was being broadcast simultaneously from JFK Stadium in Philadelphia and Wembley Stadium in London. Like much of the world, Metallica gathered around the television in their shared living space in El Cerrito, California. Inspired and energized by some of the acts, they created the first round of demos for what would ultimately become their new studio album. One of these songs was a rough instrumental that would soon be revved up, stretched out, pumped full of blazing riffs, jaw-dropping solos, and anthemic lyrics. It was called Master of Puppets. Metallica quickly sussed that Master of Puppets would be the title track. The band already knew the album would be called Master of Puppets when they started writing it. The lyrics of Master of Puppets tells a cautionary tale about drugs. Frontman and guitarist James Hetfield said, Master of Puppets deals pretty much with drugs, how things get switched around. Instead of you controlling what you're taking and doing, it's drugs controlling you. Like, I went to a party here in San Francisco and there were all these freaks shooting up and geezing, and this other girl was real sick. Hetfield punctuated the addiction theme of the art and the album in his lyrics. Taste me, you will see. More is all you need. You're dedicated to how I'm killing you. He said that a person who takes drugs initially controls what and how much to take, but eventually it's the drugs that control the person. The album cover shows a cemetery field of white cross gravestones tethered to slack puppet strings that are manipulated by a pair of hands in a clouded, blood-red sky with a fiery orange glow on the horizon. There are no names on the graves arranged in neat rows for the anonymous soldiers who are paid this token respect for their sacrifice. Although no one can apparently be bothered to clear the undergrowth that has begun to choke their graves. The setting sun reinforces the scene's sense of death and abandonment. This cover image was conceptualized and designed by Metallica with their manager, Peter Mensch. The nightmarish album cover began as a sketch by Hetfield that came directly from his imagination. Artist Don Brodigan was commissioned by Metallica's management to create an image for the cover sometime in mid-1985. He was sent the singer's crude sketch, and he used it as a rough draft to create the now-legendary design. Brodigan worked entirely from Hetfield's concept sketch. He did not hear any of the album's music before painting the image. He said, Although it had been possible to hear it, I don't recall ever getting an advance recording. If Hetfield's lyrical concern was addiction, then the album cover could be conceived as ambiguous with its military motif. Perhaps the cover is trying to tie together more than one of the album's songs. The record's fifth cut, Disposable Heroes, opens with the lines, Bodies filled the fields I see, hungry heroes end. No one to play soldier now, no one to pretend. Brodigam said, But I'd have to say that the helmet has some relation to the song 
because the bands usually have a decent portion of input for ideas when it comes to image selection. In this case, it was certainly not my idea. The cover has been called The Nightmare at Arlington Cemetery. An early draft of the cover by Brodigam shows long-nailed feminine hands holding tighter strings. The helmet was placed differently, and there was a slightly different color scheme. Handwritten notes from Lars Ulrich to the artist requesting changes to the original cover art are available on the internet. These notes put to rest an old question about Brodigam's final design of the puppeteer's hands. They are not missing fingernails, but rather wearing gloves. Ulrich said that the image encapsulates the idea of people, whether they are soldiers or drug addicts, being subconsciously manipulated, an overall theme of the record. The helmet was moved from the top of a gravestone cross to the horizontal member of the cross in the final. The puppet strings went slack, the color was softened, and the fingernailed hands in the sky were gloved in the final version. It took Brodigam three days to complete the painting. He worked in acrylics using both an airbrush and paintbrushes. The airbrush gives Master of Puppets its dreamy, soft focus feel. The artist said it was one of his favorite album covers that he did. He said of the job, When you had as many top-end jobs coming in as I did, you're forced to work at a grueling rate, but are still expected to produce nothing but the best artwork. The finished work was 17 by 17 inches on an illustration board with a backing to prevent warping. The album was released March 3, 1986. According to Brodigam, the original cover art was purchased by John and Marcia Zazula of Megaforce, the label that released Metallica's 1983 debut, Kill Em All. Brodigam added, If you look closely at the bottom corner of the picture, you can see my initials, DB, in the grass. The original painting sold in November 2008 at Christie's Auction House for $35,000. Earlier that year, Brodigam had succumbed to stomach cancer, but his initials remain immortalized in the bottom corner of the cover art. Kirk Hammett shared an anecdote about the photographs on the back. The back cover shot of me where I'm giving a dirty look to the camera? That was because I had just become a vegetarian back then and we were at the Donington Festival. Someone threw a deviled ham sandwich from the audience, and it fucking smashed right in my brand new Black Jackson Flying V. And I was so fucking pissed. I looked over to the side, and I saw my guitar tech laughing, and I saw photographer Ross Halflin laughing. And I just gave them a dirty look, and then Ross took the shot. And that's the shot that's on the back of Master of Puppets. Brodigam was an illustrator out of New York's prestigious School of Visual Arts. He had been working as a commercial artist for 15 years before he got this project. Prior to Master of Puppets, his most recognizable work may have been the cover for Stephen King's 1980 novel, The Stand. On the cover, the band featured a sticker, mocking parental advisory labels placed on albums. Their sticker read, the only track you probably won't want to play is Damage Incorporated, due to the multiple uses of the infamous F-word. 
Otherwise, there aren't any shits, fucks, pisses, cunts, motherfuckers, or cocksuckers anywhere on this record. Of course, asterisks replace key letters in those words. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit. All right, welcome to Cover Stories. Today, I'm going to start with a fun anecdote. I think you have a little prep for this, but we'll find out. (laughs) So, before we introduce the album that we're talking about today... I'll give you this date, July 16th, 1996, Lollapalooza in Charlestown, West Virginia at uh, Casino. They played on the infield, and the penultimate song they played that evening was the name of the album we're playing today. I would imagine you know what that is. I do know what it is now. All right, so that'd be Master of Puppets. But I think on this particular day, if I (laughs) can see where this is coming, I think they may have been working on a early version of the title song well so here here's the deal the uh because i'm quite sure what they were singing yeah as much as you'd love to think that that was possible (laughs) uh even though we saw the band 10 years after they wrote the song tell me who baxter is (laughs) baxter is what the the crowd was singing along when they played this song master of puppets (laughs) everybody in unison was yelling out baxter baxter and and I came back, and I, I since I didn't really know Metallica That's well, true. I wanted to know who the hell Baxter was. Baxter, you would have thought maybe it was a song the about Baxter, a dog, you the know, Baxter they, of Puppets. They were, yeah, the Baxter. That of may puppets. have been just an early version of the of the album or the song. <laughs> so, so on that particular day, you may not have been as familiar with that album. I'm sure you're quite familiar with it now. Yes, after, I am. Yes, uh, I am. into it. So the story truly begins, I think, uh, with. Another concert. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the four members, or, you know, we could call it the concert scene around the world. The four members of Metallica clearly weren't alone when they tuned into Live Aid. Right? Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. So, big. You, know, I, you know, I was six or seven. I don't remember it, but it says more people tuned into Live Aid at Wembley than had watched the moon landing. And reportedly it was available, you know, while not necessarily watched. On ninety five percent of the world's televisions. Wow, what do you remember? Uh, I remember Mick Jagger and Tina Turner, I believe. Uh, at least I think my my lying memory remembers that, whether that happened or not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember it was. Uh, I think it was at least a two day event, and uh, you know, um, and they had some good. It had some good shows there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Wembley continues to be. Yeah. Yeah. Wembley continues to be the place. It was Wembley in Philadelphia, also, if I'm not mistaken. I think it switched back and forth from the U.S. Oh, for the the U.S. London feeds. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know the the legendary Queen performance is the one that uh, that I most you know while certainly don't remember it, I've gone back and done my due diligence, my historical highlights um you know kind of focus on that but i think regardless of the certain acts metallica was really inspired by the grandiosity the scale the energy yeah and immediately began demoing and apparently it was led zeppelin's set that that really got them all jazzed up that's fair they they followed yeah that's fair so uh yeah they, they begin the demos for their third album and what a lot of people would consider you know i certainly don't but they would consider it their Greatest Hour, Master of Puppets. But I would say it's their first masterpiece. Um, it'd be almost inarguable if you're a Metallica fan to uh, <laughs> to uh, disagree. But 
So the title track came first, right? Is that the case? Uh, yeah, they they um, were working on demos of that, and they really early on figured out we got the song and we got the album title. Yeah, yeah. this is the anchor here. Yeah, so that, that that was the concept. A lot of people still view it as the centerpiece of the album, um, and the second track has continued to breathe uh, new uh, new air. I mean, this. <laughs> It's, it's pretty wild, but it took 36 years for Master of Puppets, the, the song itself, to enter the charts. And it did so on the back of Stranger Things, that's featuring, right. the, oh, featuring right. the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, both Master of Puppets and Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill from her lauded album, Hounds of Love, kind of got, uh, got new life. So I, I think that's pretty funny. The first <laughs> time a nearly eight-minute uh, song, probably since uh, Iron Butterflies, <laughs> yeah. Inagata De Vida, hit the charts. Um, in my opinion, though, this is the album. This is the place when Metallica stopped being solely a thrash band, solely the best band in thrash metal, and kind of stepped into a more personal and lyrical arena. Um, there's a lot of a lot of talk about the themes of this album in your research, and obviously mm-hmm. just in the way people talk about this album. And I think, you know, James Hetfield specifically has long explored themes that are really first featured on this album you know you mentioned the drug use that he yeah. saw at a san francisco party yeah. you know yeah. early on really turning him off um interesting aside because you know he's also long suffered from addiction you know and alcoholism but it's interesting i think you know the brash and unchallenged hubris of youth didn't allow him to see his burgeoning master turning him into a puppet of his own you know no, or maybe he did. Maybe yeah, a, yeah. Maybe that's exactly what he saw when when he saw this coming. He that's was just bowing down to it. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of there's a bit of self loathing on this album mm-hmm. that I think, and the, the the cover itself, you know, with the graveyard scene, uh, is almost sort of his premonition of where this was headed. Yeah, I I can see that, and it'd be interesting to know, you know, retroactively, did he know that? Did he see that coming, or were we just partiers? You yeah. know, you mentioned this off, you know, off the air. They were, you know, uh, known as Alcoholica yeah. For, <laughs> by by themselves, by crew, by people in the know. Um, you know, I think thematically it's both deadly on point and also a total mess of mixed metaphor <laughs> in some ways. You know, they were young. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think no yeah. one could no one could argue that addiction isn't the leading theme of the record. Yeah, it may have been that day when they were watching Live Aid and getting all jazzed up about this, but yeah, it, it drifted a little bit. It's yeah, like, then they we'll began put this in there out. and then yeah, this right. and then this. And they began to fill it out, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've I've always, though, had a bit of a different read on this one. It's probably the Metallica fanatic in me. They've been okay. one of my favorites Let's since hear it. I was 13, 14. Um so again, difficult not to see addiction in the cover, and certainly the war references of mm-hmm. disposable heroes are directly reflected by that turtle shell army helmet, the yeah. tears on the edge of the nearest grave. Those are most certainly apt. I've also thought Hetfield was commenting on something that follows him to this day. You know, you've you've researched seventy two seasons. His childhood shows yeah. up a lot. Yeah, he had a scary um, upbringing. A lot. Tragic. Yeah, yeah, quite tragic. You know, I, I'd say, uh, and I can say this, you're my dad, but who amongst us has never felt hemmed in, if not controlled by our parents <laughs> at a certain yeah. point? Hetfield, though, you know, was sadly raised, like you said, in a deeply traumatic situation. Um, I've long thought that the master can represent his parents, 
you know? And I had never looked deeply into this, but I did always know that it was gloves. I don't remember where and when it was mentioned, but there, you know, it's, it's not just a, a, a hand without detail. It's very directly gloves, whether it's treating someone with kid gloves mm -hmm. or, you know, ultimately the gloves that puppeteers would wear to stay out of a scene. But he was really left to become whatever his parents shaped him into. And I think the abandonment of the battlefield, you know, mixed with his troubled childhood, you know, that abandonment is kind of reflected in the overgrowth. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, really. You know, um, yeah. and I think a lot of these things, you know, as direct as they are, can also be read as metaphors. I think they were really ahead of the curve in that respect. And Hatfield, as a lyricist, has always left us fans with breadcrumbs. You know, the master is whatever it is we allow to consume us. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. Maybe he, what he thought about, he thought the master was drugs or addiction, but yeah. uh, you, you might be on to something there. Well, and that it's the drugs and the addiction, but it's also the thing that... Yeah. Kickstarts all of those right, things, right, you know, right. whether that's genetics or whether that's uh, trauma. Our upbringing may be the master. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into the album, the album art itself. You know, I, I, uh, I'd love to know the primitive sketch that James provided Don Brodigan. Now, ha is this out there? Anywhere? Uh, I couldn't find it. It I may be either. out there, but I couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing maybe in James's personal collection. If I, I saw a black and white copy that the artist did early mm -hmm. on, but uh, it's pretty true, at least conceptually, to what we all end up finally seeing. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen James's uh, uh, version. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, it, it reminds yeah. me a bit of the uh, the Axl Rose tattoo idea from Appetite for yeah. Destruction. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a, it's a direct one-to-one, -one, you know? Mm -hmm. it's But... You know, that was essentially the rough draft that begat the final cover, right? Yeah. I mean, it was specifically oh, yeah. reproduce this yeah, in an artistic way. Right. Okay. All right. So he has these, you know, he has these directions, so to speak. I, I really like that he opted not to listen to the album prior to creating this um, painted take on the sketch. It's funny that a lot of these things bring callbacks from previous episodes to mind. But, I, you know, I think about King Crimson very directly reflecting the music inside. So yeah. it was kind of, you know, it was <laughs> it wasn't influenced at all by the music, but it's a perfect match for the music. No, and and at some point maybe it was Lars's uh, influence. I don't know where the I I tried to find out where the helmet came from. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, because that you know it, it looks like a military cemetery with the crosses in a row. Sure, yeah, the unmarked certainly. Yeah. Uh, but even the the helmet, and I'm thinking uh, that must have been James and and the influence of uh, disposable heroes. It's just kind of yeah. interesting how an individual song finds its way into the art. I like that sometimes. Yeah, or you know, even just uh, titles. And I'm not sure what titles he was working with. Did they have the full? You know, did they have the full sequencing? Did they have any of that stuff? But I really like that. You know, had he listened to the music, the end result may have been a little. Or even far less refined, and in my opinion, wouldn't be as strangely tender as I think it turned out. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's fun to speculate which way that would have turned. You know, the artist. Uh, yeah. Hearing the music would certainly have to influence. Hearing the music would have to influence you. Uh, yeah. You know, we have the master of puppets reflected in there in the top part of the album art. Uh, disposable heroes in the cemetery and the 
and the helmet and all that sort of thing. And if he'd listened to the album, we might see three or four other songs. Oh, most certainly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's in there. there's a lot of references yeah. in here, yeah. most certainly. Um, you know, it's interesting. One of those early drafts that uh, Brodigan, Brodigan handed in, so to speak, gave those now famous hands a more feminine look, right? With yeah. Lead, with long yeah. nails. Yeah. And uh, was it Lars that ultimately intervened and said, Yeah, he looked no, at no, no, it no, and he no. said, uh, Yeah, yeah, he, he wanted some changes made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, he did intervene because, you know, we, we end up with the that gloved, yeah. you know, which we, I just think makes it so sinister and sort of removed and sterile and you know it, it brings up a lot of things for me i think you know Brodigan, maybe i'm giving him too much credit here but i was there was something about cocaine and long fingernails that maybe uh, sparked that idea who knows <laughs> but i do think it it works far better you know with what almost looks like those you know those dexterous finger control gloves yeah you yeah have yeah when you were you've individual said individual before yeah it, it makes the 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 master of of reality a lot more sinister yeah. as you just said yeah. to have the gloves there and i think i've even seen them a few times in the sky oh yeah yes <laughs> yes i think we all have now this is our first mention of airbrushing and uh you know with regards to any cover art right uh, i think case? i think so okay and not not a frequent mention if it's been no mentioned before no and it's funny because i've always you know in this wrongly associated with you know the those cheaply vulgar shirts you might buy on the boardwalk where you're, you get a caricature of you and your family oh, or yeah, you know yeah. the wizard painted on the side of a windowless mm-hmm. 70s van um so, again, I love that the show continues to teach me about myriad arts that I never really gave much thought to before. Um, but it does, it gives it, a, it gives it a soft feel. You know, he started yeah, with what, acrylic? It, yeah, and it fussifies it a little bit. That's and a make, good word. In a good way, it makes it, uh, and in a way, it makes it, it, it makes it more sinister. It reminds me a little bit of Christmas Carol. Is is this the future that will be, or the future that could be? You know, mm. and I think that uh, you know the airbrushing and 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 you know not having the clear, crisp reality kind of lines in it uh, sets oh. it up that way nicely. That's interesting. It's it's you know to bring back Stranger Things, which uh, repopularized this long title track. It also reminds me of you know that misty minefield of yeah, the yeah. upside down that yeah, they incorporate yeah. with the graves etc but i do want to talk before we get out of here i really want to talk about the rear photo this oh, okay. is uh okay. one of the most intense and in my opinion difficult photos of a band to look at um you know cliff burton you know cliff burton who famously mm-hmm. died shortly after the release of this album while on tour you know as cool a look as this photo has, I mean, the master that unmercifully controlled every touring band since time immemorial is the road itself. You know, the, the, and Metallic were the ultimate road dogs yeah, at the yeah, time. And they're yeah, standing yeah. in the middle of a road in what appears to be fog. And that's ultimately what claimed Cliff Burton. Mm. You know, a night that you're driving that weather intervened in a way that claimed yeah premonitions uh, yeah perhaps the most sensitive and if we're to believe james and lars as i want to do the most talented you know the most well-rounded renaissance hmm. you know man of the uh of the band and i think you know the final track and clear career highlight of cliff is captured on the album closer orion 
I think it's just a tremendous reminder of his talent and the fact that there are no lyrics. You know, it's a, it's an mm-hmm. instrumental yeah. led by his bass. They couldn't have known, but there's part of me that says something. Yeah. You know, it's the, to return to the, the stars in the sky. Self of Orion. Yeah, the puppet master. Well, that's Metallica. You got it. See you next time. Thank you.